It's March 23rd, 2022, and uh, welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we'll have Leilani Farinas, Farinas from the True Initiative. Well, uh, she is also joined by Trisha Goya and Eileen John from HMSA, and they're here to tell us about an upcoming event on workflow automation. And uh, then we'll be joined by Todd Robertson from Hyperspective, and uh, we'll learn about the metaverse and what it means for content creators here in Hawaii. But before we get into our show guests, uh, show guests I wanted to let you all know about an upcoming webinar from Think Tech Hawaii. And they're hosting this free webinar called Beyond Ukraine, Burning Global Issues on some of the burning issues on six continents around the world. And this webinar is free. It's scheduled for 10 a.m. Hawaii time, April 1st, 2022. And, of course, you can register by going to thinktechhawaii.com. And I'll put that uh, link up on our show notes for later on tonight. But now I want to welcome Leilani Faridas, and she's the Executive Director of the True Initiative, along with Trisha Goya, Director uh, of IT Client Services, and Eileen John, Senior Manager over at IT uh, IT Client Services as well, also from um, HMSA. And uh, they're here to share about an upcoming event that is being put on by the True Initiative called Achieving Data Accuracy, Agility, and Speed Through Workflow Automation. Welcome to the show. Hi, Bert. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I now, thanks for having us. Now, Leilani, I, I, you know, I um, love to have you on talking about the True Initiative and and this upcoming event uh, features something new at uh, HMSA, and I think it's a, a great uh, story that they can tell. But uh, Leilani, just for real quick um, updates, uh, what is the what is the true initiative for our listeners who might be new to the concept? Absolutely. So, True Initiative is a nonprofit organization, and our focus is really uh, adopt making sure that we can accelerate the adoption of technology here in Hawaii. And it's a way of solving the Alice problem. By elevating our skill sets and creating demand, we can help our workforce and we can help our companies here uh, optimize more efficiently, productively, uh, and, and upskill so that in the end, we're looking at a more diverse and sustainable economy for everyone that lives here. And, and uh Leilani, tell me, how did you how did you hook up with HMSA? I mean, are they part of the sort of the true family of, of companies, and and uh, what what turned you on to what what Trisha and Eileen are working on? Yes, HMSA is part of our committee, and so our committee is made of both private and public organizations, and we all come together and we basically create a pathway of sharing and collaboration. So this is this event is our core comp competency. We're bringing a story to life, a technology story, and an actual use case with a local company, in this case it's HMSA, and how they used workflow automation and the specific technology they used for that, which is ServiceNow. And the use case is super complicated, complex, and has to do with something that they had to put in, implement um, very quickly because it had to do with uh, the pandemic and COVID, and, and they'll storytell that in our event. And the outcome, hopefully, is many companies will see the, the use and the benefits of workflow automation and go into a journey for themselves and start exploring this as a viable uh, solution for them. 
Well, that sounds great, and I, I want to um, have uh, Trisha share a little bit about what she does over at uh, HMSA and, and IT client services. Now, Trisha and I used to work together way back in the uh, olden days. That was my, my like 10 years ago. I was at, eight, actually 12, 11 years ago, I was at HMSA. And so, Trisha, what, is, what does IT client services do? IT client services um, is really maybe one-third of maybe the two-thirds of our IT organization. We have AppDev. Uh, as one-third, we have infrastructure, and then we have client services. So the client services team is very much focused on many things that are department level for IT. Uh, we, we oversee a lot of the kind of overarching things that go across the organization, our IT organization. And our ServiceNow implementation is one of our very specific um, and significant um, support mechanisms that we employ within IT to make sure that our IT operations work really well. So the platform itself has been very beneficial to us, and we've really utilized a lot of the capabilities and, and just the ability to modernize the way we do our work and operate within IT. I know it, and uh, uh, Leilani did kind of allude to the fact that it is a complex process, and uh, if I recall some of the work that uh, gets done at HMSA, I mean, it is. There's so many uh, variables in in terms of dealing with some of the IT systems. So, Eileen, in terms of um, working with ServiceNow, I mean, maybe describe a little bit about what it is that you're trying to achieve here, uh, and perhaps you know how is the effort going to simplify some of these, you know, complex processes. Right. What we mainly try and accomplish on the platform is. Um, uh, making work more um, effective um, and reducing manual processes that are on uh, separate siloed systems. So you've got a single platform that you're able to then leverage information um, a, a, a across the enterprise. So um, if somebody needs uh, support or if somebody needs uh, to request help or if somebody needs a project, uh, we also have uh, business continuity on the platform, contract vendor management. So we've um, have quite a few things um, within the platform that all kind of have co-requirements uh, um, uh, with each other. And so uh, with workflow automation, you're really just trying to um, um, kind of upscale your, your workforce from doing very manual things, say maybe on an Excel spreadsheet or emailing um, and doing all of these things very in separate systems into one platform where somebody could uh, request something, they can track and see where that request is. Uh, you can get notes out to them. Um, you can have automation around what happens next in a process. You can have uh, automation around reporting, live data. Um, and it just really um, makes everything much more transparent as to where things are, are at in their fulfillment stage. And um, um, it's been really, really helpful in, in helping us modernize our, our way of working. Well, that's great. And of course, the uh, um the event is called Achieving Data Accuracy, Agility, and Speed Through Workflow Automation. And Leilani, when and where does this take place? On Thursday, March 31st at 3.15 at Central Pacific Bank Plaza Atrium in downtown Honolulu. And uh, do people need to uh, sign up anywhere or just show up? They can register at eventbrite.com and they can find our event under True. And um, the story, everything that Eileen just described to you, they will apply it directly to the vaccine mandate that they implemented even before the state of Hawaii did. 
So it's a really, really compelling story. So come out and, and listen and be inspired. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there. And, of course, uh, I will put the links up on the show notes uh, for people to easily access, and I'll have that on up uh, about uh, maybe 9 o'clock later on tonight. So uh, mahalo, Leilani, Trisha, and Thank you for having us, Bert. Yeah. And, of course, we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Todd Robertson from Hyperspective to learn about the metaverse and what it means to content creators and application developers right here in Hawaii. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, Bavarian Motor Experts, and Chaminade University. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm happy to welcome right here in the studio Todd Robertson. He's the president and CEO of Hyperspective. And I invited him to uh, come down and maybe share a little bit of his thought on what the metaverse is all about and what it means to content creators and application developers here in Hawaii. Hey, welcome to the show, Todd. Hey, thanks for having me, Bert. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I got to tell you, man, it's a it's a new experience to have somebody actually in the studio. Hey, the world's changing, man. You know, we got <laughs> we just got to roll with it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, anyway, so Todd, uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, hyperspective. I mean, I, I think I don't, Gosh, I don't even remember the last time I had you on the show. So maybe give some people a, you know, I know that uh, we've um, had you on talking about some of the VR stuff that you've been working on. And and uh, I think, you know, I mean, you've been doing some stuff for the folks over at uh, HTA, but that was like several years ago. So keep, get us up to date. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, Hyperspective is a creative agency. We um, are essentially content developers you know we're um producing content kind of at the cutting edge of media so you know we're always experimenting with whatever's new like vr mm-hmm, mm-hmm. augmented reality and and really cool stuff and then we just do the day-to-day stuff you know like film production website development mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff so we're kind of a pretty broad and diverse uh company you know over the last couple of years especially since covid um uh, came out we, we we really started focusing a lot more on producing content uh you know whether it be intellectual property content working with local filmmakers uh you know and other kind of collaborations and now we've got this really awesome thing called the metaverse that's that's kind of this new buzz right i i call it a buzz i probably shouldn't but uh you know i i shouldn't because i believe that the metaverse has been you know it's it's been there for a while it's now kind of a buzz because Mark Zuckerberger kind of came out and said, hey, everybody, we're going to do this metaverse thing. But, you know, the truth is, is that ever since, you know, probably the mid 90s when the web kind of came out, you know, we the way that we started interacting started to rapidly change. We started communicating digitally through these online platforms. We started to have connection with each other in new ways. Um, and then, you know, now, you know, I guess over maybe the last 10 or 15 years, we were able to g- jump into these kind of VR environments or, or gaming environments and, and start playing games together and kind of hanging out with each other. Uh, and, and maybe we don't even know who these people are that we're talking to or playing with. But essentially, those are all kind of examples of what the metaverse is. So now that, you know, uh, Facebook and now I guess the rebrand of Meta uh, has come out and said, hey, we're going to really commit to um, creating this this new platform of of a sort of huge metaverse that's sort of the vision of, of everybody 
for what VR could be. Um, I think it really created a lot of excitement around the idea, but it's not a new idea. Yeah, no, that's true because, you know, I remember way back in the uh, olden days, there was a, there was a, uh, <clears throat> even a language called uh, VRML, VRML uh, Virtual Reality Markup Language, uh, which basically, you know, was kind of the, the uh, maybe the platform for uh, web designers to develop, you know, sort of VR. Uh, and of course, you know, there were always sort of these uh, not immersive, but interactive environments. And these are old, right? So people are, are probably very familiar with things like Second Life. But that's that's so old that nobody <laughs> nobody uses it anymore. Right. 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 And I remember going on a, a, a really old platform a um, long time ago called the uh, Palace. And of course, you know, it, it was... Um, very rudimentary, you know. You go on, you have an avatar, you interact in a in sort of a, a a visual chat room, and that you could you know you could add graphics and things like that. But now, if you advance to where we are now, that you know in uh, twenty twenty two, I mean, you have all the the esports and esports of the, um, the multi user kind of games that people are competing with others that that they can form teams. You have, you know, you have uh, streaming through you know. Twitch and you know and, and in terms of um, the the metaverse like you said I mean you know VR AR I mean it's been around and you know like uh, uh, Facebook uh, bought uh, companies like Oculus and you know it already started started to indicate you know sort of their dish, their interest and their direction uh, what what I'm curious about Todd is that you know when you first describe what hyperspective does and and the you know the business that you're in is content creation i'm curious you're you, you we're all hearing about the buzz about the metaverse but are are content creators and businesses in hawaii actually paying for some of this stuff now or are you seeing more you know just basically traditional content creation or are do you see a trend in some of the businesses that that employ your services interested in you know perhaps this virtual world i think you know in in terms of the business applications of what the metaverse is it's a really interesting time and it's it's kind of this you have to have a little foresight into where this is going and and that's really hard to do right now because it's kind of all over the place i mean there's there's all this stuff happening with blockchain technology uh and with nfts and how that relates into the metaverse um that are creating Tons of opportunity for content creators. Now, before before we uh, you know move too far from NFT, uh, what does NFT stand for? Oh, non fungible token. I know we've so. had we've had <laughs> numerous shows about non fungible token, right. but you know I just wanted to make sure that if people don't know what an NFT is, you know it's it's basically um, being able to purchase digital content and and have it be. Uh, Acquired in 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 your name through uh, cryptocurrency like uh, Ethereum. Yeah, essentially. I mean, it's not even really in your name. I mean, it's whatever name you give it. It's actually a big long string of numbers and code that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that uh, is applied to your particular wallet mm-hmm. in whatever blockchain it is mm-hmm. that you're uh, partaking in. But I th- I think back to your original question in terms of where what the opportunity is in um, in business. Um, I'm not seeing a lot of opportunity uh, for hyperspective necessarily to do services 
uh, for other companies to produce content within those spaces yet, uh, especially in Hawaii. But um, what I can say with the metaverse, just imagine like this virtual landscape, you know, and you can create your own version of that, whether like a second life type of thing or or whatever that might be, if you've got the money and the developers and the, the creative folks to do it. But essentially, a metaverse is kind of like this open space that uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. There's one that's really popular right now called Decentraland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've, it's kind of a second life type of thing. Uh, it actually looks really similar in a lot of ways. Uh, but what's happening with that is that you can actually go in there and buy virtual land. So you'll, you're starting to see companies like Sotheby's go in and actually buy large plots of land and they build buildings on this land. And then within their buildings, they can conduct commerce, they can d- create their own game development, whatever it is that's going to you know, be best for that brand uh, or whatever they feel is appropriate for that brand. In their case, they're selling NFTs within their building. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's, there's tons of different opportunities. McDonald's is buying land in these spaces. So what, what's McDonald's going to do? You can't buy a cheeseburger in, <laughs> in virtual space. Well, you know, they're seeing some kind of opportunity. We don't know what that is going to be for them or what it's going to be for any particular brand. But the opportunity is kind of whatever it is you can imagine, right? But where I see the real opportunity for content creators like Hyperspective, like myself, mm-hmm. even as an individual artist, uh, is with the NFT space and, and even this metaverse space is the demand for art, the demand for content, and the demand to own that content uh, has has kind of blown up, you know? So in other words, you know, I can sit down as an artist and, and paint a painting and spend a day or two or a week, however long doing it, and then go into Ethereum and sell this thing for however much I want. And 100% of the money comes back to me. So that's creating a ton of opportunity for musicians, filmmakers, artists uh, to, to do commerce and own the content that they create in very new and interesting ways. You know, I, I, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, that content creation and, you know, in terms of um, some of the avatars that you might be choosing for yourself, you know, in the metaverse. And, of course, all the, the clothes and, and assortment of uh, accessories that you might want to wear uh, are all part of things that you may need to purchase, you know, on, in the metaverse. So uh, I, I do want to talk more about that. I want to uh, hold that thought, of course, and uh, that's a teaser so that you can stay with us. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Todd Robertson from Hyperspective. And, of course, we're talking about the metaverse and what it means to content creators and application developers here in Hawaii. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Bert Lum. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Todd Robertson, President and CEO of Hyperspective, and uh, we're learning about the metaverse and what it means for content creators uh, here in Hawaii. And, of course, right before the break, we were talking about some of the things that, uh, you know, you have these brands. You mentioned McDonald's. There's probably 
every brand that you could think of would probably want to have a counterpart you know, in the metaverse. It's not clear what they might sell, but as an example, if you're in the metaverse, you're going to be represented by an avatar. Uh, you will probably want to have a, a, an assortment of, of um, clothes to wear, accessories to have. And, and each one of those could be perhaps uh, maybe you know, you'll, you'll opt for the default, <laughs> the default values or maybe you want to spend a little money and, and spruce it up a bit, right? So, so those are some examples of what could be uh, sold. Maybe, maybe share some thoughts on what, what you think might be uh, uh, things that people would want to buy. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's really interesting and it's, it's hard to predict all the things that people will create and people, that people will want to buy. But you bring clothing up. Uh, there's actually a big fashion week that's coming up in Decentraland up in the, next, in the near future. Um, so, you know, you could create clothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could design clothing and, and put it into the space. Um, I've just had a couple meetings with a local archi- architect- architecture firm uh, who's interested in, in maybe transitioning some of their development, uh, arch- you know, real-world development into a virtual space where they could start to do, you know, some de- architectural development designs for companies in the virtual space, you know. So uh, there's there's tons of opportunities. So if you're a musician, uh, maybe you want to buy this corner lot where you know a whole lot of traffic is going to can, – you can be a busker and mm-hmm. sit there and sell your music on the corner, you know, like in the virtual space. It's really hard to say where this is going to go, but it's, it's, it's pretty exciting to see all the opportunities uh, that know, are happening. Yeah, it's, it's a total wide open space that you could do basically anything. Now, you mentioned NFTs and, and original artwork and perhaps music that you could purchase, which you would then own as a result of that, uh, you know, that uh, uh, acquisition. And, and that is uh, using a lot of the what we call Web3 types of, of tools, right? Uh, maybe explain a little bit about the, the Web3 component to the metaverse. Yeah, so I think... It's it's kind of important for us to kind of understand what Web 1 and Web 2 are, right? I mean, Web 1 was just kind of this one-way communication, very basic HTML. Web 2 was kind of a two-way type of communication through the Internet. Now, with Web 3, the idea is that we're going to decentralize all of the online technologies in such a way that um, people are basically owning all of their own data. They're owning all of their own content. Uh, rather than it all being centralized, like Facebook is a centralized company. It's mm-hmm. a company that's owned by one guy that has a board. You know, it's 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 centralized. So whenever we interact through Facebook, we're giving Facebook all of our data. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, so they're basic. We're basically their product. Uh, so Web three kind of flips that in a way. I, I it's it can get very complicated to try to explain Web three, but I'm trying to simplify it (laughs) (laughs) in such a way that, you know, so, so decentralization means that instead of all of your data, all of the, all the things that you own and the communication that you're, you're doing online, instead of it going through a central point, it's actually being distributed throughout the world on thousands or even tens of thousands or in the future, probably millions of nodes of servers. Mm -hmm. And it's incorruptible in a way that or at least that's the concept is that that the data is incorruptible. So you can own things like money, 
uh, in this space where you can prove that you own that money. And it's very, very difficult, probably impossible for somebody to to um, hack that and take that from you because it's distributed and the data is distributed through so many network uh, nodes. Right. There's always a there's always a repli- re, you know, replicatable uh, uh, validation of your, let's say, transaction of your ledger and transaction. Yeah. yeah right. So. Uh, so if uh, one so if somebody were to hack one of one of those nodes and get in there, okay, well then the network's just gonna it's gonna recognize that and say, hey, that's a bad guy over there. Let's just shut that one off or replace mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll the rest of them take over. So it's that's kind of the the idea behind it. The potential with that are things like smart contracts, mm-hmm. where you know you can create. Uh, content or you can basically an NFT can be pretty much anything, right? I mean, it can be any form of data. Really, it comes down to a a ledger and it's, uh, it's all about kind of text or, or, or uh, metadata, but uh, that metadata can, can basically be associated to almost anything. And through those smart contracts, say, um, you know, I sell a piece of art on the internet and that person that buys it for $10 turns around and sells it for 20 well, I can associate a royalty to that piece of art so that every time that piece of art gets sold, mm-hmm. if it gets sold a million times, every time it gets sold, I'm going to make money on it. So that's what's really interesting about it is that now you can really truly own your own data through a decentralized in- incorruptible system that there's not some one guy at the top that's making billions and billions of dollars you it's it's just the money's more distributed it's a little bit more of an equitable and and uh, diverse system in I, that way i'm from from what what you're describing i envision a lot more traffic uh, being on the internet as a result of all these transactions and ledgers and maintaining this distributed network, I'm I'm guessing that uh, we're going to need to have a lot more uh, better connectivity. Well, I mean that's something. Uh, there's there are definitely problems with some of the networks. Like Ethereum is dealing with these these really heavy gas fees. What they call them gas fees, uh, which is every time you do a transaction through Ethereum, it tr- it pushes it out through the entire network, mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of processing power, which mm-hmm. is energy. Right, mm-hmm. we're burning oil or coal or whatever we're putting carbon into the atmosphere. So it's not necessarily a an all positive you know, right. utopian sort of thing until we kind of start to solve some of those uh, transaction problems, right? Um, uh, there's a network that I'm kind of participating in a lot more frequently nowadays called Cardano, which was designed from the ground up uh, from one of the Ethereum developers that had left and said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make something that's going to work a lot better. And so as a result, it, t- it takes a lot less energy uh, a lot less bandwidth through the internet to do transactions. So, well, I, you know, <clears throat> I take it this is going to be an exciting period. You, uh, we only got a, maybe thirty seconds left, but uh, you know, in terms of um, activity here, you think you're going to get more work in the metaverse, or I guess it's got to go up, right? I think that's up to that's up to us. You yeah. know, um, yeah. I think that's the great opportunity is that I can look at it and go, and I am doing this. Is is I'm looking at it and. and and seeing opportunity to create content that we own, that I own, uh, and partner with other creatives to do that. 
And so it's not so much that we're going to go out and drum the streets and try to get everybody to uh, buy into this Web3 technology so that they can come back to us and hire us. It's actually creating a lot more opportunity for us to create content that we normally right. do every day anyway. Yeah, you guys are at the leading edge. So uh, exciting to see what happens with Hyperspective and, and, of course, the metaverse. Todd Robertson is the president and CEO of Hyperspective. And, of course, I want to thank him for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we will kick off the spring membership campaign. And we'll also hear from... Shamanad University and their Hogan Entrepreneurial Program. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find a podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkcafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. And of course, you can catch us on HPR every Wednesday, anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. You stay safe. And stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.